<laughs> right, okay. Welcome to the Football Index podcast. Today I'm joined by Noir X or Stuart. Stuart, how are you doing? I'm all good, mate. Loving fatherhood. Yeah, yeah. How, how's it been? I think one of our questions is, uh, how's that getting on? And uh, if you're just coming on the pod to avoid parenthood. Yeah, just avoiding a couple of dirty nappies, really. No, um, it's it's fantastic. It's great. Um, just very, very sleep deprived and loving life, but not getting a whole load of sleep. But back to work on Monday. So that's going to be the real shock to the system. But still managing to get my football index time in. So that's the important thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that that question came from uh fpl braveheart so getting the, the funny ones out the way and obviously uh, i'm sure you guys have heard by now i'm actually going to be appearing on the who's got the assist uh podcast on monday which will be kind of a fancy football football index crossover so tune into that if uh you, you aren't aware of it already but fatherhood aside we've got a lot to discuss don't we Stuart? yes definitely <laughs> i think this is going to be a long episode so uh, for all of you that that don't know and you probably do know by now uh football index announced what they describe as a new metric or mechanism of winning on football index and the crux of it is that basically you can hold a player and if they score a goal you can get two pence paid dividends for that and 0.5 pence per assist uh so that's the very very high level summary there however there are many many um (laughs) many terms and conditions that i'm going to read out now and try and break down in an easy to understand manner so this is the explainer from october 16th so yeah, a couple days back to midnight November the 30th so roughly 45 days all new shares and what they mean by new shares is of course shares purchased after the 16th of October so don't worry there's no new kind of scheme where there's old shares and new shares and they get paid different types of dividends uh or i mean they do get paid different types of dividends but they are essentially of the same player uh you don't have to worry about that so if you have new shares for example and you hold them past the expiry they are just normal shares so essentially you are purchasing or buying a future uh in the same manner that you would prior to this and uh, this means whenever player you hold in your portfolio of course, if you bought them after the 16th of October, scores a goal or assists a goal, you'll be paid cash dividends for these actions. This actually goes in 30-day cycles. So I, I like just mentioned that it's between the 16th of October to midnight November the 30th, which is over 40 days. Um, so, for example, to win a dividend for a goal scored on November the 20th, you must have purchased your shares after the start of October the 21st, hence the 30. 30 day cycle and before the end of november the 20th so 30 days in between those two dates and still hold the share by the end of november 20th after midnight and so as i mentioned before 2p per goal per qualifying share owned and 0.5p per assist per qualifying share owned. now i like that terminology a lot more qualifying share rather than new share not to confuse traders and the payouts aren't actually immediate so on november the 1st and 2nd for october goals and assists that's when they'll be pay out, paid out and on november the th- uh, and on december the 3rd and 4th november goals and assists will be paid out so this 30 day cycle will continue going like this until um we have the final payouts on december the 3rd and 4th but obviously this will finish on november the 30th the the payouts will be on the 3rd and 4th so uh very wordy 
lots of negative reactions, few positive ones. Stuart, why don't you run me through what, what your reaction to this is? Yeah, I mean, so my initial reaction was kind of confoundment, really. Um, I was instantly frozen with confusion about how to react to it, really, because this 30-day cycle is what really sort of uh, confused me because did you did you understand it straight away sorry I, I think you're about to allude to that but did you when you first read it were you like okay bang i'm gonna go buy uh, these there guns. was some very quick gung-ho reaction for me on basically some low sub two pound players and i initially kind of shot myself in the foot slightly because i initially looked at goals per game rather than total goals because they might have a very high goals per game res- threshold but haven't necessarily played that many games so far this season so I initially went down that path and then very quickly looked at sort of total goals scored rather than goals per games. I've completely ignored assists because at 0.5p per share, and I'll talk about this later, the, the ratio that you need to get to make it pay for the commission is so low, uh, so, so high, sorry, so high number of assists that I don't see it really being a, a lucrative option. It's kind of like a little nice bonus on the side, really rather than yeah. being a focus point and it's in the same ratio as the pb scoring algorithm with which many argue is kind of unfair or inaccurate in in terms of the probability of actions actually happening if that makes sense and for them to to use the same ratio again was for me it's slightly strange i'm not totally surprised though they don't want to suddenly make those assist makers skyrocket i guess yeah, I mean, I was a little confused by it. I thought it, it would have been better to have them evenly spread because basically you can't have an assist without a goal. And yeah. there are goals that are scored without assist technically because they're sort of solo efforts. Um, so I, I thought more even pacing for it would have been a more interesting thing. And it, it would have spread it around a bit more because you've got some defenders that obviously are very good at assist. You've got some midfielders that are very good at assist. Whereas we've had seen a very heavy focus towards the forwards because there's such a focus on the goals as opposed to the assists for this metric. Yeah, I think that that was obviously not what angered traders the most. <laughs> Would you agree, Stuart? Um, there was a lot of reaction, particularly I, I think the mess kind of started when goalkeepers started um, going up. I think that as soon as Football Index saw this in the market, that there should have been a tweet immediately saying, no, this isn't it, like categorically denying it. Because this was tweeted by some random account um and everyone said oh, okay even if there's a one percent chance that this is goalkeepers i should probably buy goalkeepers just in case this is it do you know what i mean i mean i didn't think that it was going to be goalkeepers i was actually pretty sure because of the way they worded it however it was kind of that feeling that okay this is probably wrong the information is probably wrong but i'm you know a, a lot of people i knew were buying goalkeepers because they thought everyone will think the same i'm going to buy them just in case yeah i mean it's for me i don't see the problem with the goalkeeper thing so much because this is actually the third time i've seen this cycle in a year <laughs> so there has been three times when there's been announced there's going to be a big announcement whatever that may be and it's usually been an event or a deposit bonus or something and you see the same goalkeeper roller coaster of this time it's definitely going to be goalkeepers let's go and buy them all um and, and I think this time, a lot of that rise was actually, I, I know some traders that were basically jumping on it because with the logic of even though we're 90% sure it's not goalkeepers, we know they're yeah. going to rise. So we're going to buy in and, and ride that rise and then sell at the top. So I think there was some part of the community that was basically almost gently encouraging the goalkeeper rumor um, to just enjoy that rise effectively. 
Um, so I wasn't surprised to see it. Well, well, well I mean, it, it wasn't totally illogical. I mean, they, they mentioned a new score, uh, like a new mechanism to win. And obviously, um, goalkeepers and defenders are in the same category at the moment. So I guess a new mechanism, it wouldn't be a new mechanism, but it would certainly be a new method if goalkeepers had their own category. Or, um, but, but I don't think that's maybe coming for a long while yet. And it, it might never come. Um, but I think what frustrated traders even more was perhaps the comms from football index straight after they saw this so as i mentioned the the kind of maybe thing to do was to straight up tweet this is you know not it this is it's not going to be a goalkeeper stop wasting your time but then i think mike bone came out and i think to his credit tried to do that but tried to do it in for me a slightly too casual way where a lot of traders actually thought that that was him endorsing it uh, where he said something like uh, nice guess uh, with goalkeepers or something along those lines. I can't say it word for word or I can't remember it word for word rather. But it, I don't think that's kind of like it's not they were kind of I get what they were trying to do because beforehand there was very much that kind of smugness about it. We've got a big announcement. You've got no idea what it is, blah, blah, blah. And I think that was kind of a time of crisis where people were chucking around thousands of pounds at players that we're not going to rise in value after this announcement. And I think Football Index at that point kind of have to step in and say, okay, look, guys, it's not this. Um, we'd advise against speculative buying because, you know, heed at your own loss, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that tweet in particular, the mm, nice guess one, did, I think, push a lot of people over the mm, thinking about it into the action point of view. Um, yeah. Which which probably didn't help matters, and and then the sort of the amount of delay. Oh, I don't think there was that much delay, but there was a bit of a delay there um, between that and the subsequent tweet, kind of saying no, it's definitively not goalkeepers, which is where that big spike and drop happened. Um, I mean, it didn't fall all yeah. the way back. There's definitely been some some goalkeeper maintenance of price there um, over the last twenty four hours, and. Like I said, we've seen this cycle a few times and people get burnt on it. People make profit on it and people also just bank them away and think, well, at some point this goalkeeper dividend will come. Whether it ever will, I seriously doubt it because Football Index have had a lot of time now to think about this and they've never hinted that this is ever coming. So I'd be very surprised if I ever saw it. Mm-hmm. I tend to agree to some extent, but I think that they've alluded that there, if, if there is enough demand, that they'll look at it. But I just don't. I, I think it's a win-win. Really, uh, I'm going to be more excited by my player scoring a game-winning goal um, or just putting on an exceptional performance outfield than I am, you know, David de Gea making that ninth save that wins me PB. <laughs> I just, I think it's a lot easier to market when, and I've said this before, when you have those flair players, like the, if we look at the top three right now, Neymar, Messi and Hazard, that's kind of like what we're, what they're looking at and they're hoping for from a marketing standpoint. But I do want to address and talk about one thing, which is, are we, are we at a point now where the market is mature enough? We're looking at, you know, 20, 25 million pounds invested. That's the estimate. Is it, are we too far in like its existence to have these silly goalkeeper rises and falls? That's why I think Football Index should have stepped in and been like, look, um, this isn't it. Or beforehand saying, we don't advise speculative buying, right? I think that there needs to be a bit more of a 
professional way to go about these announcements because you're not playing with 2 million, 3 million, 4 million anymore. This is a lot of money. This isn't thousands of pounds. This is, for some people, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of pounds. So I think they need to be quite careful. And even though they're regulated by the Gambling Commission, they need to be more professional, I think, in the way they make these announcements. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's necessarily more professional is how I'd phrase it, but more um protective of the newer yes, traders yes. certainly because you've got just give yourself no liability right if i'm football index as a company i just don't want to be held responsible for anything and i know that's already in their terms and conditions but that doesn't stop people complaining about it on social media damaging your brand even going as far as complaining to some uh, regulator which obviously like probably wouldn't do anything um I, I don't think it's a compliance issue i just think it's a kind of a common sense issue where you just need to be like disclaimer we don't like we don't advise buying speculatively because i I think let everyone have the information and then let the market decide yes and i mean i I think we probably would have seen quite some rises yesterday even with that scheme but the schema would have been good to say look we warn you in advance we've seen these cycles in the past where people have speculatively bought players and been injured by it or burnt by it therefore we strongly recommend you wait to the announcement because you will be surprised. It's not something that has been um, pounded around the community in the past. And that would have instantly killed the goalkeeper rumour because we know that's been through the ringer a few times in the rumour mill. And this is yeah. something completely new that nobody had called out. Um, even the, the wild guesses that me and Paul and yourself and other people were having were nowhere near the mark on this one. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so that would have been an approach, I think, that would have really helped them. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think even if they have been through the rumour mill, I think there's no harm in saying like, look, we don't advise speculative buys because, again, to your point, there are a lot of people who get burnt and, and lose money. This is money, remember? Like people are putting a lot of money into this platform and I think they deserve that kind of level of... Uh, you didn't want to use the word professionalism, but I think it's... Uh, and it's not compliance. It's somewhere around those words, if that makes sense. But it's just it's just a slightly better and more proper way of yeah, doing things. and I think it's also the, the original people on Football Index um, going back a year ago were far more risk savvy and experienced with risk. They were, they were willing to take yeah. a high risk gamble because they knew it was a high risk investment. They tended to be sort of either high end gambling players or high level, high stakes investors who have probably been playing the stock market a long time. I think now we're getting your more casual trader. And I don't mean any disrespect by that, but I don't think they're as uh, acutely experienced with high risk, high reward, high loss. And therefore, look at the general trend of football index going up and up and up and think, well, I can't really lose here, but I can certainly gain massively uh, and may have been burnt quite badly by this goalkeeper experience. But I think in the round, they, they should hopefully be okay because hopefully people got out in time or, you know, have got a broad enough portfolio that they didn't go all in on goalkeepers. Yeah, I, I, I think that's an excellent point there, Stuart. I think we are at a point now where we're like teetering on the edge of mainstream with um, the likes of Guillaume Balaguer and John Motson being part of the crew you've got to start thinking about these people that you know might have started with a hundred pounds and this might be the first time they've ever experienced some sort of like as you say not very risk adverse uh investment or gamble so it, it's kind of more of a sensitive onboarding job for those people uh, and again like yourself i mean no disrespect to those people however if you aren't 
if you haven't got that loss aversion built in that first time you see like minus 50 quid minus 10 quid minus five pounds relative to your portfolio whatever percentage that is it feels terrible and it takes a long time to get used to that believe you me so i do think that they need to be more careful as they grow they can't keep doing the same things as when they had only twenty thousand active or not active accounts 20,000 registered accounts now they have 10 times that they need to be more careful I totally agree with you I think just additionally on that in the past when they've um, made some of these slight errors or these things have happened in the past the, the market's been growing at such a fast rate due to the new investments that it kind of cushioned the blow because you sort of look at it and go well I lost five yeah. percent today but I'm up 10 percent over the course of this month and I'm only halfway through the month we're now, the last two weeks or three weeks or so, we've seen some very flat growth for a lot of traders. And so there isn't that sort of inherent nonstop upwards roller coaster that will carry people over these bumps and cushion them away from it. It is, you're going to feel the bumps now. Um, I think that's generally going to be the case. So people need to be aware of that and start to be slightly more cautious, I think, when trading. Mm, mm, mm. and and what what do you what do you think was give me give me some negatives first before we look at the positives like what do you not like about this the whole new dividend mechanism i'm not a massive fan of the 30 days because i'm a long-term trader but i totally get why they're doing it because it will massively help them on the commission front um the I'm not quite sure about it as a metric. Like I would have quite liked to seen an increase in the general dividends because everyone understood those was on board with them. Um, and therefore if you've got extra money, stick it there where people are familiar with it. Um, but you know, it's mainly the 30 day thing that I'm not a fan of um, just because I like that long-term view. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's an air of kind of like what the hell is football index doing this for? from traders i think and i think what we're seeing with brands that have built great trusts with their users in terms of specifically digital products that are digital only right and this is what football index is there's no um there's no bookies that you can go to around the corner uh, it's all done online or on the app i think that you need to be totally transparent and if football index said look we are approaching market cap and most of our cash flow has come in from deposits at the moment we need to get to the point where commissions can start paying for people's salaries or they can actually make a big difference in terms of uh, budget and i think football index traders would kind of be like okay well i care more about football index surviving as a company or not having to kind of hold back in terms of like say a marketing push than me losing one percent or whatever and I think long term that people would take a long term view to it as maybe you have after looking at th that 30 day thing and saying, uh, I don't really like this. I'm, I'm a long term trader, investor, whatever you want to call it. But I know this is for the greater good. And I think Football Index should have probably come out and said, look, this is why we're trialing this. This is our intentions or these are the reactions that we got from a survey that we did. So I think I, I don't know it's it's a strange one from that perspective where there was just no justification for it if that makes sense I, I didn't really see the necessity for it and then I was like okay well obviously they want to increase commissions and make this more of a short-term thing and I've preached having that instantaneous win on football index making this product undefeated I'm just not sure this is it 
No, and, and the other thing, I mean, I think that's rubbed people up a bit the wrong way. And this kind of happens every time they do one of these sort of announcements is that it's all about timing of saying it was just 24 hours prior to the date. I think if they'd have rolled that bit back a bit more to say like 15 days and therefore this weekend's, you would yeah. have been qualifying for stuff you'd bought in the last 15 great days. Um, people would have been really happy about that rather than sort of sitting there going, oh, great, I might have stuck five grand in yesterday. And now all that five grand I've got to sell and rebuy or I've got to, um, you know, stick another five grand in to benefit from this new thing. Whereas if we'd have just extended that window a bit, it would have been like not such a sore point for people if it was like yeah. last month that they put a big wedge in or whatever, because then they would have had the deposit bonus anyway. So you could have sort of rolled it back to closer to that date and said anything bought post that date, you didn't see the benefit of the deposit bonus, but you'll see the benefit of this. Great point, mate. I, I really hadn't thought of that, but I really like that idea. And I think when you do implement things that might actually be detrimental to a lot of traders, I think you need to offer a cushion. So a lot of people have been talking about changing the performance buzz matrix and having that in a, like coupled with a increase in dividends. I think this was ASP. Uh, he alluded to kind of, okay, well, people who say that they can't change the pb matrix of course they can but they do it in a way or one would hope that they do it in a way where even the guys who are holding players that get destroyed the most are still at least level or breathing above water i I think there's something about that Stu, that is so important that okay when you're saying uh when you're gonna say something maybe slightly negative which a lot of people perceive the october 16th deadline to be then perhaps something like rolling it back to the 1st of October would have done a great job in maybe saying to people, oh, I'm really pissed off, but at least, you know what, if Messi scores a hat-trick this yeah. week, I'm all right. And, and the, the other thing that sort of slightly surprised me with this, because I thought what they were going to do with this initially, because um, I missed the very small sentence in Adam's initial email that wasn't then in the subsequent um, thing yeah. around the, the league limitation on this, was I thought they were going to roll this out to all players and actually there was some confusion with the customer services around what the scale of this was whether it was all league. i mean i saw i saw a, a few buys in zlatan ibrahimovic yeah um i i bought some artem zuba off the back of this because <laughs> um I, I, I mean i shouldn't laugh i shouldn't laugh this is a major problem right yeah um but i thought this was a really good idea by football index because it meant all of those iranian and russian players that nobody cared about from the world cup would suddenly have like a really interesting value if you could find the data of who's scoring in the Iranian leagues or the Russian yeah. leagues. Um, and, you know, who cares if there's a 30-day cycle on it when they're 25p, 50p players? Mm. You could actually make a return on that. And it would have seen some growth in the, the full index and give those players some purpose rather than that, just having the dead work. It could make sense long-term, couldn't it, though? You, you, do, you might not have to have this 30-day cycle for the top five leagues, but you could have the 30-day cycle, say, in the Turkish league, in the Dutch league, in the Portuguese league, see how that works. And what you could do is, because it's a 30-day cycle, people would continuously um, be rebuying, and because the maximum dividends one could win in a month isn't that high, then those players wouldn't actually sort of market cap, which would be pretty low in comparative to players in the top five leagues. And then once those players, you know, maybe move into the top five leagues, which is kind of a natural progression in in general football terms, you move from Dutch league, Portuguese league, um, Turkish league or whatever into Europe or into mainland uh, big leagues, then those prices would rise 
more naturally if that makes sense instead of being over like due to hype or speculation i think that could be slightly interesting in in that sense yeah and, and it would also help cushion when you do get a zlatan to america or a paulinho out to china if you were still going to get some gold dividends off that you might be less keen to suddenly instantly drop them like a stone because there is a sort of continuing long-lasting value to the, some of those players um you know people going off to Besiktas and stuff like that it just helps cushion that that gradual flow out. And maybe what it also does is it also maybe more fairly values players that are over 27, because at the moment we're seeing anyone who seems to be over 28, 29 automatically loses a certain percentage of their value just because traders like the idea of buying a youngster who may then become the next X, Y or Z. Yeah, I mean, with the obvious exceptions of Messi and Ronaldo, who have yeah. massively bucked the trend over the years. Bloody freaks of nature, aren't they? <laughs> um, but I, I did want to go back to what you just mentioned, Adam Cole there. And I think it's just the it's, it's time to let go of tweeting from his account and then having an announcement on the Football Index website. They're clearly written by two different people, aren't they? Like it looked like to me that they were written by two different people, and I think the comms should come from one per one person should write that official comms piece, and that should be the only thing that goes out. And what it should be, it should be an email, and it should be a Twitter post, it should be a Facebook post. Do as much as you can, distribute it everywhere you can, but do it the same way, not from one person's account, and then uh, they say it, and then suddenly you've got football index traders who are on Twitter telling other people. Uh, like what it is, if that makes sense. But they're using perhaps Adam Cole's uh, explanation or they're using a different one. So I, I think it just becomes really messy. And even if there's a 0.1% chance of doing that, just there's no point in doing it. Personally. Yeah, and it also, it creates a weird sort of system because, I mean, I did a quick YouTube video on this last night to um, give people a quick overview guide to send out to people because um, I know there was a lot of confusion around it. So I tried to provide as much clarity as I could um and and i know we've discussed it further today but you know you've got this whole forum which exists created by football index that they don't use to announce things so people have to be in the twitter sphere to then pass the message down the road to the people on the forum or you know i i have my entire subscriber list and i send them an email when any of these announcements come because i know they say look i can't monitor twitter 24 7 waiting for these things to drop you ping me an email normally within five minutes of it happening and it it just pops up in my inbox and I've got it there and then. So like you say, an email to all your subscribers might be a really good way of doing it because people would know to expect that coming sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I try and provide as much clarity as I can, but there's only so much I can do. I have like 5,000 followers, which is a, quite a large amount considering you know Football Index have nearly 20,000 now. But even I can't do that, right? So why why can't they just... Yeah, tweet, post on the forum, email, Facebook, everything you can. And even if they do want to do it from Adam Cole's account, just use the same thing. It doesn't make sense to me to have this kind of like personal letter from the CEO. If he wants to react after it and say, hey, guys, look, we did a thing, then great. But just do it properly first and then go on and do what you want, if that makes sense. Let let it marinate for a bit. Agreed. And additionally, you know, Football Index say they've got over 200,000 users. Now we can debate to the cows come home how many of those are actually active users. But, you know, 200,000, 20,000 follow Football Index on Twitter. You know, 5,000 sort of follow you, which shows that they're generally active in the community. 
and then you've got a number on the forum and a number of different you know a thousand on slack a thousand follow me etc cetera, etc cetera. but you, you've got all these different communities but that's all chipping away at the 200,000 you know where's these other 180,000 users um so if they're yeah. not getting an email or getting a different form information these things are just passing them by entirely yeah and i mean the, 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 i think there's just a problem with their email list as well i mean i still don't get emails because the email that i was originally uh, signed up to football index is no longer active like it it was like i couldn't access it anymore and had to change emails and i've had numerous conversations with football index about it and said look i need you to note it down because some of the information that you provide could be very important to the money that i have in here and i still get maybe only 70% of the emails which is worrying I mean like a lot of people were going to be like oh crap didn't see any of this I mean I was waiting for a plane with 25% battery and I remember this time last year the exact same thing happened and uh, I was on the plane and I had barely any battery and I think the plane was actually turning onto the runway and I've, I've said this to many people I think I've said this story on the podcast many times plane was turning on the runway and it's about to lift off and I see the email I'm like great brilliant it, I mean I'm gonna land I don't know how much up and I think the, the same kind of thing was happening I was like boarding got sat down and I was like okay let's have a look like let's see what happened and my immediate kind of reaction was a bit meh like I don't I'm not excited by this and I think that's a worrying thing for football index that this is such a great product i mean there's a lot of negative negativity right now and i'm sure it will blow over eventually but this is an amazing product ingenious concept but execution is everything like you need to execute this as well as you can and i think if it doesn't breed excitement then that's a worry because this is an exciting product and you want to fit that narrative and i think what they did was slightly off brand and there were a lot of other issues that i had with it but particularly that lack of excitement and originality that wasn't particularly novel um it, it felt like it was a rushed idea i'm not sure how long that they've been thinking about this and uh, that's just the assumption that i've been making but um maybe mike and adam can can clarify at some point how long that this has been in the works but it didn't seem too well thought out if if that's too harsh to say yeah, I mean, I went on a full roller coaster of emotions with it because, like I said, my initial feeling was very similar to yours. Of, eh, I, I don't see where the value is in this. I'm not really that bothered. It'll be a nice little perk when I do buy players, but I'm not going to do anything active about it. To, oh, maybe this is all leagues, and this could get really exciting and really interesting. And I could start looking at the Swedish football league for the first time in my life. <laughs> to then being um, shot down and being told, no, 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 no. It's just the original leagues plus the nations league, and getting you know, sort of slightly disenfranchised of it again, but then, you know, doing some stuff about it and looking at some numbers going, okay, maybe some of the sub three pound players, there could be some interesting stuff. And I can talk some numbers with that later with you about exactly where I think the value is with this. Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, before we get onto that, I think there was, because of the reaction, I think it kind of proved what I've not, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I've said a few times that, it feels like we're left out of that feedback loop slightly as as traders i think we like we don't enough of our thoughts i don't think uh, are taken into account by the football index guys and uh, by by all means they could turn around and say you know what we actually read every tweet and do this and this and that they could you know completely prove me wrong however it it doesn't feel that way it doesn't feel like the customer has a big part to play in this 
products transformation and evolution and i don't think that's the right way for a startup to grow and i think that's something that they need to look at but the kind of reaction we got was kind of it was a it was proving the disconnect between football index and traders to me to some extent and i'm kind of really sad in saying that but it's true like a lot of the reaction was negative that kind of means that you've done something wrong and you you've not understood your users properly if that makes sense yeah i i think the 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 lot of confusion around exactly what it was or how it was going to apply yeah that that obviously emphasized emphasize it and again people being slightly disappointed by there wasn't a clean sheet one for the defenders to Mm. sort of spread the load or like you said we've discussed the assist being higher to spread the load of you know that spike I do want to talk about that a bit more. What What are your thoughts? Do you think they should have done that? A lot of people are saying like, no, you know, forwards and mids should be higher. Blah blah blah. Um, what's your What's what your What's your take? Is it somewhere in between those two things? Oh, I mean, I, I'd have loved to see clean sheets because I've always stated that I felt defenders were undervalued until the recent rise of defenders. Um, but you know, I think defenders are just as exciting and interesting as any other players, and giving them a clean sheet bonus. I think somebody's done some analysis today on the uh, Twitter that showed yeah, that actually yeah. similar number of clean sheets to goals scored um, when you're taking the number of defenders in a team and the goalkeeper and stuff. And it would give goalkeepers some value, uh, which would have helped the goalkeeper situation. And it would have, you know, spread it across all the different types. So you don't get certain portfolios being negatively impacted by it. Yeah, I think that would have been the safer play, right? You talked about cushioning the blow by moving the deadline uh, from 16th of October to the 1st I think that they should have done that in terms of giving both uh, forwards, midfielders and defenders a slight boost all in unison if that makes sense because I think it's it's really hard to say if we were at max market cap right and it was just all this money flowing about uh moving left and right and being traded in and out of players more then this would have been a bigger problem because although the material value is the same those players that can now win those 2ps and those 0.5ps are more valuable between now and the end of this offer than they were before and what that does is that creates comparative value between them and defenders even though the material value is the same they those defenders technically shouldn't be valued um differently but because people were maybe losing slight confidence or we were kind of as you said we're not we weren't rocketing in terms of deposits properly then what that means is if you're not going to deposit to buy more of these players and say, oh, I want to keep my defenders, what do you do? You sell those players and you buy the ones that can win 2Bs and 0.5Bs. And I think there's been a lot of people who have just kind of said, look, the material value is the same. And while that is technically true, you have to look at, if I have £10 to spend here and it can make me 11 or if I can spend £10 and make me £11.20, which one am I going to do? It's kind of obvious, right? Even though you're still making a return on that initial £10 to make you 11 the other one's going to make you that bit more. And I think that's the way Football Index traders have looked at this, especially from the market reaction, I think. it's. I think it's not... I wouldn't say it's stupid for you to say that the material value is the same and nothing should have changed. But that comparative value between now and when this offer stops those players that can score and can assist are worth more and i think that's a bit of a problem as i said before with the um with the kind of notion of 
we we have too much money in this market to be messing about with it rather than having the two three million i think with 20 million 25 million you've got some big boys in there with some big portfolios close to seven figures that you probably don't want to upset you don't want to upset them and you also don't want to upset the guy that signed up yesterday right so both sides of the spectrum are going to be perhaps annoyed by this thing and for me like i owned a lot of defenders but i was luckily spread and i didn't lose money but i i know a lot of people did and, and it's not really right and for maybe football index to come out and say well you know um it's not football index's job to make you money blah 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 all these points i i get that however it's not the right way of saying it and it's not the right way of going about something if your kind of mindset is well you know what they've made enough money our job isn't to make them money let's just do it i don't i don't think i think you have to make it a customer centric product and football index with this announcement and the way they've gone about it and perhaps the actual structure of it maybe shows that they need to work at that slightly and i mean i think the other thing here was that there was a bit of a negative um cascade effect effectively because basically you've got defenders are generally on the index been valued slightly lower than midfielders or attackers which means when you look at your portfolio and you go i don't really want to spend a lot of commission but i need to free up some funds you're going to go to your defenders first because you're going to be paying less commission on them you're not going to go and sell your messy and rebuy them and pay 26 30p in commission knowing yeah. you're never going to achieve that with this new metric however if you sell some one pound two pound defenders you might make 4p in commission on this if you go and buy the right players um, so that's where I think that some of this defender hit came from as well, was that when people were looking to free up some funds, they looked at the cheaper value players on their portfolio. I mean, I know I did and, yeah. and used those to free up the funds to go and buy these players. And I think ASP was talking about how in real life, attackers and midfielders are generally worth more and whether or not you agree with that considering you know the, the Virgil van Dijk and Allison deals recently they are generally I think that's the average if you look at the average if you look at the general trend that's what it's like however I, th- I think the argument against that or maybe the, the, the what a lot of people thought is that maybe that difference between defenders midfielders and forwards was kind of right before this if that makes sense so if it was, then you want to move the whole market up together, not those two top top two categories. But again, if Football Index were like, look, we want to have strikers and midfielders be more premium than defenders, explain why. Like, just come out and say, look, we want to be able to always market these um, attacking flair players who score and assist and who are usually at the top of Opta and who scores rankings, right? which is kind of what I think they're trying to mirror. They're trying to mirror the who's top of the FPL point scoring system, who's top of who scores rating system, who's top of Opta's um, team of the week or whatever. They're trying to mirror that effect. And if you come out and say that, I think you have less of a backlash. I think you have less. You have someone who says, oh, crap, I had a lot of defenders, but you know what? They kind of have a point. Why is it like this? And this is why it's changing. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I can can see your point, but, you know... For me, I, I look at my starting eleven when I'm supporting my team and I'm just as interested about the defenders of the goalkeeper. I mean, I'm a Liverpool fan. I was ecstatic when we signed Allison. I felt it was the most important thing we needed to do, having just watched Karius literally throw the Champions League away for us <laughs> in Kiev. Um, having spent 17 hours travelling to get there, I was not impressed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've always been a strong advocate for defenders and goalkeepers. You ask me my favourite player for Liverpool at the moment, it's Trent because... I think he's exciting. I think he's Liverpool through and through. And 
you know, he's a defender, but I don't care about that. I don't care about him versus Salah. Trent's my man because he's going to be there at the club for a long time and he bleeds Liverpool. So, But at the same time, though, Stu, don't you have to consider that whereas that might be your subjective opinion, objectively speaking, statistically speaking, strikers, midfielders are worth more than defenders in an actual market, of course. Absolutely. My favourite player for my club has always been the, the one that tries the hardest, not the one that actually scores the goals or delivers the most. <laughs> <benefit> <laughs> to yeah, and, and again, you, you, that that shows that maybe there will be that affinity to certain players, whether or not Football Index do make these changes. But I totally get ASB's point that perhaps this better reflects that gulf in in valuation in real life however football index need to come out and say that kind of thing if that's what they meant to do because i i i want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they didn't do this on i mean they did do it on purpose they did do a goal and assist uh in this waiting on purpose but i just want to know some justification like give us some numbers even if it's a little video or a um, a blog post saying why that they've done this companies do it all the time and i think football index should follow yeah i mean it certainly would have been interesting to get some more you know two-way conversations with us in, in a more um I'm going to use that word professional content style of, you know, some, some videos or something of like a little podcast, essentially just saying, look, here's the big thing we've just done in the last six months on the index. And here's why we did it or the last three months or whatever timescale they want to put on it. Um, just to sort of have a bit more of a two way engagement street. I think you do it on the announcement though. You, you, you let the announcement marinate and then a couple hours, three hours later, you, uh, you release a blog post. I I I think that's the better way to do it. I think. Um, uh, anything else on this subject? Uh, we haven't even got into the questions, but um. <laughs> the, the one the one other really interesting thing I think this highlights is the half p dividend. I think shows that yeah, um, a lot of people have said that one of the main limitations to any future potential share split is this fact mm. that it would create half p dividends. This shows that they've got no qualms whatsoever about paying you half p or probably even quarter of a pence if this they get yeah. split in half with a share split. So I think that removes that barrier to any potential share split. And I don't think we'd see any positive or negative rounding um, when, when it came to a share split. I think it would end up being this half P scenario. Yeah, it also removes the barrier for the decimal point uh, place thing, right? That, that has been kind of uh, doing the, the rumour, uh, doing its round on the rumour mill. And I think Kieran mentioned it in the last trade of me i was watching the live stream he said my personal preference is to split it in decimal point places and what that would mean is you could be winning like 0.05 of a penny and then it would just kind of accumulate in the background until you have a penny um i think that's how it would work and i think long-term football index would eventually get to something of that product of that ilk but um we'll not go there uh, just yet but um i guess we'll we'll go for the first question and this was from well i mean we've been quite cynical i i, I think that's kind in saying for the last 30 35 40 minutes uh, but, but you know before we, we go on to it um do you do you want to give the flip side the, the positive side of this what what do you think the positive side of it is? yeah so i mean I, i've been doing some math on this over the last night and um i quickly showed this on my video that i did yesterday on this i've done the numbers basically and i think if you're looking at sub three pound players um you're looking at 6p commission or less when you come to sell that player at the end of the window. There are definitely some 30-day windows in sort of late October through to November where you get 
six, seven, I think even eight games I saw for one team where you've got eight games played in that 30-day window. Now, that means that you've got eight opportunities for them to score. So if they score every other game and you've got to pay 6p commission, then they'll have scored 8p in goals for you in, in you know, every other game. So that will make your profit. Now, if you've got somebody that, like um, Hazard at the moment who's scoring every game, then he's going to generate more. Obviously, you don't want Hazard because he's not a sub-three-pound player, but maybe someone like Stuani, who's like lower value or someone like that, I know we're not meant to talk about players, so I can redo this bit without naming players. <laughs> no, don't worry, don't um, worry. But yeah, there's there's definitely some value in that sub three pound high gain frequency area. It's just being aware that some months it's not going to be worth looking at this at all because you might only have three or four games, and you're going to have to have such a high goals to games ratio for that player. Unless he bangs a hat trick in on day one, you're really going to get burnt that month. So. It's it's yeah, all about time. Yeah, if he's only got two games, then then you've lost your first chance if he if he doesn't score that game. Yeah, exactly that. So you know, look for those six game plus sub three pound players, and and there might be some value there. Yeah, I, I think it's it's also an indication that football index are trying to do something else. They're trying to add another layer um, that will make this product a lot more robust and better. There's been a lot of question about um, when we get to max market cap uh what happens in terms of the money going in does that just stop do we just kind of um does the footy move sideways for a bit and we just see money move around which i think we'll kind of see for a little bit until football index maybe create um the decimal share uh thing that i mentioned earlier that would um allow people to buy percentages of players which would make things a bit more interesting but i think they're trying and i think that's the important thing to think about here that they're trying to create that extra layer uh on top of what is also already uh an incredible product so yeah and the other thing is you could look at this in a completely different way of it's almost like a commission cushioner of when you've got to sell some players you're gonna have to pay commission but if you're then moving that money into new players you've got the chance to earn this 30-day window to win back some of that commission effectively so it could be seen as a sort of way to ease your commission costs. Yeah, and I, and I think the advantage that they have of trialing that they can look at maybe very exciting ideas like what we've discussed here, maybe using the Nations League, but also um, leagues in Holland, Turkey, Portugal, or maybe the, the next four or five down that are from the top five leagues in terms of ranking. And then you suddenly um, create something more exciting, almost its own market. Uh, which also the top 200 can win in as well, maybe, or I'm not too sure. Like, I don't know what the answer is, but I think they're thinking about it. And that's what kind of is, it maybe gives me slight confidence that they are thinking about kind of the future and what this product's going to become. And I think that um, they're probably getting to market cap maxing in accordance to the current uh, dividend structure. And I'm not going to say it's panic, but they they have to kind of consider it when they're getting to that that point. Um, And obviously, uh, that's why maybe I think this was an unnecessary step right now. I think the step was probably... And I don't know, this is just off the top of my head here, right? You've got the share split that could probably happen before order books. Um, once we get we approach that market cap. And then you might want to look at um, implementing a change to the, um, to the PB scoring matrix, but 
whilst adding some dividend increase as a weighting so the material value of certain players doesn't change obviously that would take like a lot of analysis and a lot of back-end stuff from football index so that's kind of what i would have seen on the two-year horizon however there is always that thought of let's add another layer let's improve and make this an even more novel and original product by layering it up slowly i'm not sure this is the right step but it it makes me think that they are thinking about it if that makes sense (laughs) yeah and it's always it's good to see that they're willing to give us another way of earning money or or, or topping up our dividends you know so it's it's not a case of you know the store's shut that's all you're ever going to get they're, they're, they're considering other ways to give us more opportunities to generate more growth. So Definitely. But I think it's a tough job for them to do to grow the whole market while keeping that barrier to entry low in terms of starting budget. So I think by having the cyclic nature, the 30-day thing, that's kind of clever when you think about that, that players have a, a, a max price point that you can get to. However, you could have a Glenn Murray who is 30p at the beginning of the season, gets to 120, and then never ever gets to that point again within a 30-day period now we see that on a year-long stretch where we see a i don't know i'm trying to think of an example here um of a a zlatan that went to 720 down to you know uh, pennies and then up to 540 and now down to 60p or whatever that was over quite a long period that's over a year-long period if you could kind of instigate that sort of volatility on the lower end within 30 days, then there's opportunities for people to be big winners. Obviously, there's going to be big losers there as well. But you're going to have those people who could stick in 50 quid and turn that essentially into you know 200 within a 30-day window, right? That's kind of the aim here. And I think when you step back and look at that notion where a, a new trader can come in and make a lot of money very quickly, that's kind of like what i've been getting at with that instantaneous win and i think it's genius to some extent but i don't think they've executed that concept or the solution to that idea yet but i like that they're thinking about it basically Uh, yeah so before we go into the questions we're going to hear from tom mitchum who was the only person to actually submit an audio uh voice note so uh hear from him now Hi Fig, Tom here. Thoughts on the trial? Pros, brings more liquidity into the market, appeals to fancy football players who are used to goals and assists being rewarded. And it is a trial with a definitive timeline, so if it doesn't work, it can be amended or scrapped. Casino, poker, betting companies, they all trial ideas regularly. It's a methodology that we should embrace. Cons, makes it even more confusing for new users coming to the platform. Multiple dividend types, multiple different cutoffs and timelines. And naturally, defenders are devalued by this trial. Cheers. Thanks very much, Tom. Thank you for your thoughts. And, and now we move on, Stu. Uh, on to our questions. Some of these may be related to the recent dividend change, but we've got a few that aren't because obviously, uh, Stu, you've got a certain ep- expertise or a liking for performance buzz and, and analytics and, and so, uh, so on and such forth. So um, we'll get into that a bit as well. So uh, Football Index Cynic, <laughs> he says, uh, it's funny that we, we choose that as the first question. Uh, given the amateur our comms around the new dividend trial how big a risk is credibility to the platform going forwards and we won't stay on this one for too long but we've kind of talked about this a little bit Stuart. uh credibility um after the john motson and gillen balagay thing how much of a dampener is this i, I mean i think it's having a, a bit of a negative press experience at the moment but at the same time i think 
the community is is large enough now and sort of generally fairly positive that I'd like to think that the the, the platform itself won't take too much of a head credibility, but maybe some of the Football Index team may have taken a slight hit on this um, rather than the platform itself, I'd say. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's kind of tough to say how much of a damage this has had to the credibility of the platform. I wouldn't say it's great because I think we've had worse and it's blown over. However, I've mentioned before that we're a much larger trading community now so it doesn't take a lot for people to get pissed off especially if they have a lot of money in here or they've just deposited or whatever and you sort of get that anti-network effect where they just go oh mate don't ever bother using football index it's crap. That is always the risk is you get this negative press cycle of people that never even touched the platform or never had a conversation with any of us that only hear the bad from the people that have left. Exactly and you see that on some of the um, comments for the paid paid advertising that football index do on twitter where it's just like straight up scam blah blah blah, all this stuff these sort of events can lead to breeding more of those people and then you kind of have a brand problem okay well we'll move on to the next one hope you enjoyed that one uh, for index cynic uh this is actually from the forum so why don't you say a few words about the forum because i know you're a massive advocate of it noirx as well as um a couple other people that have been on the podcast yeah i mean so when i first joined football index i saw that there was a forum and i I was a complete non-twitter user at the time you know facebook was the extent of my social media um exposure and so i'd never really got the point of twitter I'm now a massive fan of it because it sort of works for football index but um the, the forum was sort of the natural home for me because you know that was more the environment i was experienced with and i found the people there were really friendly really willing to help and that there wasn't this sort of pump and dump society there it was just generally people sharing ideas looking to help each other out you know, challenging people in a constructive way rather than just sort of saying everyone's wrong or stupid or whatever. Um, it's just a really friendly, welcoming community and um, definitely one that I'd recommend people to go and have a chat and hit up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been posting my podcast on there um, every Sunday. I haven't really, you know, done the nitty gritty and, and gotten in, uh, into it and interacted with it. Um, I recently got on Index Gain again to... Uh, to, to kind of tell people more about the podcast and, and maybe uh, get some more people listening to it and see if they enjoy it, get their feedback, uh, which has been really, um, really useful for me. Uh, but the first question from the forum, Clean Shirt Trader, interesting name. Uh, it said, yes, mate, looking forward to listening. My question would be, how do you think the new announcement will affect the current trader sentiment towards traditional PB and how could it work for other positions? Defenders, example, uh, f- f- defenders, for example, clean sheet dividend. And we've, we've talked about this a little bit, but we, we didn't really dig into the sentiment towards traditional PB. I guess I talked about how, uh, with comparative value, how those things have kind of swung, but the material value is the same yeah i mean i I think we're seeing like a very short-term definite impact on some of the traditional pb players particularly defenders as we've said that you know you've seen that sort of decline um in some defenders over the last 24 hours um but i think that you know this has been slightly um exasperated by the fact that we're in the middle of the, the media window if you will and there was that gap of games i think with this weekend coming up once you see defenders winning PB again, it will sort of remind people that they do win dividends and they've sort of lost some value at the moment. Um, I, I think in the end, people will always come back to the traditional PB dividends for at least part of their portfolio because 
it is a solid mainstay. And I, I know people say it's, you can't predict it, but if you, if you use the right data and tools, you know, myself or the other products out there like Edge and Scout and um, Index Gain, you, you can find definite trends and certainly hedge yourself towards winning it more than not. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think there's money to be made. That's that's all I can say. I mean, um, what I will say is after the last performance buzz announcement where um, dividends were doubled or not not doubled, rather, the, the last performance buzz announcement when the scoring matrix was slightly tweaked, we saw the index react very slowly. And I've mentioned this on the previous podcast. And I do think that we're going to have a big big shift of money in the next week and i don't think and i think obviously the market will overreact because everyone wants to get on this new thing where you could potentially make a lot of money on scorers and assisters even though the material returns aren't that great there's going to still be that big hype and there are going to be those people who maybe buy someone at the beginning of the month and by the end of the month they might have made 8p from them even though they didn't win the actual performance buzz and they can be like oh yeah still great trade yeah i mean i just think over like the next few months, like you said, I think there'll be a bit more volatility around this. But as people get used to this being a thing and it being around, you will see this sort of move towards factoring this in for your short-term trades, but your longer-term trades will ideally cover off. They're going to score some goals to get me some quick money, but then they're going to be the long-term performance buzz generators so that I've got that long-term drift and I'm not having to worry about my commission and constantly churning my players. Um, so I think over the next three, four months, if this does become a permanent fixture, you will just see that natural return to the market stability of people being comfortable with it, knowing where it fits within the whole thing and, and using it in different ways. I mean, people are generally against uh, change, aren't they? Um, and this is something that we're not used to, that kind of instantaneous nature of the index. We're used to, um, even if it is a week or uh, a few days, we're used to that slightly longer tail thing this is a big step for them uh and as i mentioned before i don't think it's the right step but it's the right sort of step they've kind of instead of stepping forward they've kind of sidestepped slightly diagonally if that makes sense (laughs) um and it's not a totally bad thing because as i said it means that they're thinking about it but it's not the finished article and it's still a trial um, I think people will get to use to this and by all means a lot of people will love this I mean I might love it I don't know what it's going to be like um, I mean the other interesting thing at the last London trading meet the football index guys came out and said that the average hold for any share is two days now I was wow. absolutely stunned when they said that and turned to the guy next to me and said really because um, I know my average hold length is probably more like six months wow that is even more surprising to me. <laughs> if, if, if that is actually true and it is a two-day turnaround for most shares, then this is a godsend to those traders because you know that 30-day thing means absolutely nothing to them because they're going through that at the rate of knots. Whereas regular PB, you know, you're not generally going to be seeing much of it if you're only holding for 48 hours unless you happen to be incredibly um you know, omniscient or lucky. <laughs> <laughs> omniscient. I uh, like that. Um, next question from Danny P. I think I really like this question, actually. Uh, I just looked at it and went, bloody hell, that's a paragraph. But um, <laughs> I would like to ask, is FI worried about lack of cash flow following on from initial investments made? I.e., we probably tend to put in lumps of cash sporadically and watch portfolios grow over time rather than, in brackets, like bet sites, put in weekly with a quick turnaround through commission and losses. Yesterday was a 
clear to me that they acted quick to get money in in capital letters and in creating volatility some of us more experienced investors may be more put off from investing rather than becoming more keen to invest more this is really really a really good point right so this is something that i think football index should have just come out with and said like it might not be totally true right they might say okay uh you know what for the longevity of the product we need to do something like this even your starkest bud buzz holder buzz hoarder would have said you know what uh i might not make as much as i did before but i still love the product and i'm gonna stay with it or i endorse this um what are your thoughts on this Stu? yeah i mean for me, it might be an interesting step by them to kind of counter this recent cycle of boom and drift, effectively, or boom and slight bust of, you know, everyone's seen quite a few deposit bonuses over the last year. I mean, I think we've been averaging one every like three to two months. And particularly wow. over the summer, we had, I think it was one in August and then one in September. Um, so there was two in quick fire succession, where obviously we see like a 5% or, or I generally see a 5 to 10% bump in my portfolio in a day, and then maybe another little 3% drift over the next few days. And then because we've seen them so frequently, people are possibly starting to hold back funds going, you know, Christmas is coming up. There's the Dublin trader event. Am I going to put my money in now? Or am I going to wait for those two things because there might be a 10% deposit bonus and I don't want to miss out on that 10% deposit bonus. And this is a way of trying to generate some you know, more rapid influx of cash or turnover of cash to keep things moving in between those big wedges coming in. But but would the argument be that the eventuality of order books would completely diminish the need for them to have masses of cash flow? And I think I've talked about this from a business model perspective earlier. The only reason that they might lack cash flow is because they need to have that potential money in reserve for in terms of liability for instant sell so if you remove instant sell or remove 90 percent of instant sell because they're talking about a third party provider perhaps uh, taking on some of that liability then you make more money through commission because there's a lot more peer-to-peer trading uh, and a lot more of it in terms of liquidity and therefore you don't need as much of that lumps of cash but perhaps maybe that signifies to us that order books might be quite far away yeah, um, I mean, potentially. Um, I, I'm not quite sure about exactly when they plan to land the order books. I think it's probably certainly post Christmas. I can't. I can't see any major changes coming yeah. pre Christmas. So um, that might be just something that they want to do. But like I said, I, I think gut feel it's probably to try and counter this recent holdback of funds post two quick succession deposit bonuses. Um, just to get some more money flowing into the market and and moving around and giving people reason to stick 50 quid in that weekend because, you know, they might make some extra dividends over the next month. But aren't there other ways to do that? For example, you know, you could argue to add a few IPOs. You could, um, uh, I'm not sure actually what else you could do, but there could be other ways to potentially increase um, volatility, which, which wouldn't change, which which wouldn't, kind of be another win mechanism if that makes sense oh no absolutely i mean any increase in dividends whatsoever like if you've increased the main dividends by even a penny you would have seen a big spike of deposits going in as people go wow it's now worth more the cap has moved 
I'm going to get in on this and benefit at the early doors for it. So any move in that direction would have also seen that impact. I mean, there's a lot of belief within the community. I'm not sure if I necessarily agree with it, but that a share split would see some kind of rocket of growth, um, maybe in some of the lower end players. But for me, the market cap is the market cap and halving the cost of the market cap doesn't really change it. Um, Mm. Yeah, I mean... I, I mean, we won't get into share split too much, but th- there were there were a few things that they could have done to maybe increase cash flow. Uh, but I do really like that kind of analogy um, about people kind of depositing maybe you know the ten ks with the deposit bonuses as you ma- ma- uh, as you mentioned, or just depositing big chunks in general sp- uh, more sporadically, and uh, then just watching that capital grow. But in betting sites, it's more like, okay, I'm putting my tenner in this week or I'm putting in my 25 quid in this week or I'm putting my 100 quid in this month. It's more regular for betting sites. As soon as you stake that money, it's theirs and um, and they can do what they want with it. And if you win, then they pay out. It's just an interesting way to put it, to compare it to like actual regular betting sites. I mean, the one thing I would say is that I wouldn't be too concerned about the liquidity of Football Index because... You know, when we first had these deposit bonuses going back, you know, nine months plus ago, they used to have a huge playthrough, like a 20 times playthrough, which you had to basically buy 20 times the value of that deposit um, bonus, um, not the actual deposit, but the bonus itself, before you could withdraw any funds whatsoever, or you voided your bonus. Now, the last three, I think it is, deposit bonuses have had no playthrough whatsoever. Now, that meant that people could effectively put their money in, buy, benefit from the growth and the bonus, and then instantly take it out. So if there was any concerns with liquidity, I would have thought just with the last deposit bonus, they'd have just brought a playthrough back in because that would have guaranteed that you don't see that instant flow out. You do see people have to do turnover their portfolios to get back to being able to withdraw. And that's another way to generate churn. So I'm not too concerned about the liquidity because I would have thought they just returned form on that one. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've certainly been more worried in the past about um, football indexes, money in the bank, or but but cash flow is is potentially a different thing um, in terms of actually having that money available and liquid. Uh, but but I tend to agree with you more than not there, Stu, that I'm I'm not really worried about it. But it's a really interesting point. But we'll move on to next question. This one's from Twitter, uh, fi underscore Dabala 27, maybe a play on Dabala, but using an A instead of Y. I don't know. Uh, I think he's asked a few questions before, but the new trial dividend structure ruins the young slash fringe player long hold strategy for existing users who have built their portfolio around this. This is due to funds now being moved at large from these players and into established players to achieve instant returns. Discuss. And I think I've already mentioned this a bit. Maybe Football Index are looking to do that, right? Yeah, I mean, again, there's been a lot of debate in the community recently about um, whether youngsters in particular are sort of slightly overpriced or overvalued. Um, And there's been a huge debate in that in the community about that, about, you know, what is value and is is it growth? Is it the potential to earn dividends? Is it the future potential to earn dividends? Um, I mean, there might have been a drop in these players over the last 24, 48 hours, but I mean, to be honest, I think that this is a strategy that a lot of people use and it will gradually return back to norm again, as you know, like I said, with the PB stuff, people get used to this being a mechanism, whether it's here to stay or not. 
and then continue to do what their strength of trading is. You know, some people are great with looking at youngsters and working out the best ones. Some are great, great at transfer rumors. Some are great at PB. It, it depends what you're naturally good at. And I don't think there's any right or wrong way to make money on this platform. Yeah, I don't think there's any right or wrong way to make money on this platform. I think RC made a great point um, about how we haven't seen a young player really fall off the face of the earth yet. Um, I could imagine Ravel Morrison at the beginning of his career booming uh, as to the likes of Sancho and Reese Nelson, as we're seeing at the moment. But he very quickly faded. And now I'm not saying... Sancho and Nelson will do this and I hope as an Arsenal fan first and the trader second um, that that he doesn't just you know I mean it would be a shame to see him at 50p or whatever and, and lots of people lose money but it can happen and I think until we see one of those things until we'd see an Aaron Ramsey leg break until we see a uh, as I mentioned um, a Ravel Morrison type uh, um I think we're going to still see these youngsters fly up and there's nothing you can do about it. And even if you tell someone, look, like 90% of these guys won't make it, blah, 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 all this stuff, until they see it in their face happen, it's not going to change anything. You can give all the advice in the world or what you deem to be advice and they'll say, okay, that's nonsense. Uh, I really believe in this player. Um, at the end of the day, it's subjective. Uh, who's to say that uh, Tahith Chong won't have a better career than x player or who's to say that um oh who was the west brom guy that recently ipo'd that flew to two quid plus um i don't know if, I, I don't even know his name that's the that's the thing like i've never heard of this guy and that might be my uh, lack of research that some some may <laughs> point to but uh, again who's to say that that guy might, might won't have a exceptional career but then there's the flip side of it that people need to be cautious because i think the sudden changes will be one when we get to market cap and we see these youth players potentially still not returning because they're not actually on the pitch. And because there's order books there, you don't have the instant sell cushion. That spread between buy and sell might get great. And as soon as that happens, you do seem to see you seem to see a, a closing in of that spread either downwards or upwards and if they're not playing if they're not winning dividends then it's predominantly going to be downwards and money's going to come out uh, at whatever price and you might be losing more than five percent there you might be losing 20 30 because there's might be not uh, there might be no instant sell and the second thing is as i mentioned if you do see this kind of ravel morrison effect that's going to scare people it's kind of like why we see lack of money in older players now right because we've seen what's happened with Ibrahimovic we've seen what's happened with um, Ronaldo recently why because obviously the Ronaldo uh, thing is a lot more um, sensitive and it's a uh, there's no precedent for it however I would be really interested to see it, what the market react if this guy was 23 or 25 or 26 obviously he would have been at a much bigger peak but would he have dropped as much in terms of percentage I, i'm not too sure i don't know what what your thoughts are on that general uh quite wordy rant <laughs> yeah i mean it, it is the case for me the index is a long-term platform you know if you take this thing and you look over a three-month cycle i i don't think you can say that any one thing is killing any other one thing we have waves of cycles of people trying different strategies or, you know, this is the strategy of the moment is youngsters or defenders. We saw the wave or, you know, maybe strikers is the new wave now because of this new dividend. 
And then if that goes away again, we might see another wave of um, a different type of player or a different type of league that they want to focus on. You know, we've seen lots of waves over the last year um, plus in Football Index. And it's just you wait for that wave to come back if you're that kind of player, uh, that kind of trader um, and enjoy the rise over the long term. Generally, all of these strategies are working at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think you've summarized perfectly well there and I think we'll uh, move on. Question. Another one from the forum. Metropolis, the future of PB and any changes that may be made. Introduction of goalkeepers, dividends around share, share splits and how PB may evolve. Also tips on the Opta scoring system system and how it influences pb maybe a few players to use an example um so we've already talked a bit about goalkeepers and uh share splits uh, we don't really want to get too into that uh and how pb may evolve because we've obviously talked about uh, this added layer um and we've talked about the possibility of a change in scoring matrix potentially uh um doing some sort of alternative uh, to this added layer in in other leagues, but this Opta scoring system is interesting, and I know you really want to get into it, Stu. So why don't you fire away? Yeah. So I mean, for me, there's certain types of player that definitely lend themselves more to getting a higher score on the PB using the Opta scoring matrix effectively. And I know you've had Paul buzzing on before talking about the sort of compound effect of certain key events like game winning goals and. Um, you know, passes and crosses, which are actually complete versus incomplete and so on and forth. Um, but, you know, there's definitely certain styles of players that the index favours. And, and this is why this new dividend is interesting, because actually it, it gives some value back to those old number nines like Lukaku, who, whose style just doesn't necessarily fit the index because he loses so much possession with passing that it, even if he scores a hat trick, he's not necessarily going to win the dividends because it, it's just not the right sort of base PB he's generating. Um, and a prime example I'd use, if you want to use two key players to use an example here, Liverpool, um, I'm a massive Liverpool fan, tend to play down the right flank. Now, Robertson and Trent are both great defenders, tons of promise, both young, talented footballers, both great at crossing. Because Liverpool play more down the right flank than they do down the left, um, Trent's average PB is basically 10 points higher, essentially, than Robertson's. And his base P is about seven points higher. And that's purely just by where the volume of the ball gets played. So when you're looking at these players, you need to start looking in a far greater detail around, are they a possession team? Do they put the ball out wide? Do they favor a certain wing? You know, what kind of team are they? And what kind of player is this? And does that player fit the PB type that I'm trying to achieve? Uh, And, you know, there's loads of examples of this, like your pivot type um, midfielders in the type of Tony Cruz and Brozovic who've been generating a lot of dividends purely through their pass metrics even though they're not a goal threat and then you've got your other sort of goal scoring midfielders who will win it through goal scoring or taking penalties etc so there's loads of different nuances in this PB that you need to drill into and, and the closer you can get to the actual teams and styles of play the more you can add flesh around the bones of you know the data product that I provide and others provide, because at the end of the day, what we give you is ones and zeros. And, and that's great as a start for 10, but it's drilling into your wider football knowledge and understanding how these scores are generated to then see where there's value, particularly with players like youngsters who necessarily haven't had that many PB scores because they're newer to the team 
and, and, and therefore haven't got that legacy to look back on to work out whether they're going to be a great football index player or a great footballer, but not necessarily a great football index player. Yeah, I think there's also, I, I was listening to the Who's Got the Assist podcast, actually, um, which is obviously about fantasy football, but it got me thinking. They were talking a lot about expected goals, touches in the box, shots in the box, and then um, clear chances uh, for strikers, etc. stats like that. We don't really talk about that in the football index community. It's just like goals and assists as you said very binary we don't really look too deep into it and i mean no disrespect to listeners because i don't do it uh there will be those clever guys that do but you know they were talking about how they're still captaining salah and stuff like that and he's been off form but his underlying stats have been still decent so there might be that notion when we get into the future when we get uh, when we have a bit more of a robust product and perhaps some sort of stats or uh, data center that football index provide that has these more um, drilled down or specific statistics then we will start seeing people taking a lot more opportunity on those players that have fallen recently but may still be providing those underlying stats um, like chances created or crosses uh, or potentially getting into those positions as you mentioned down the right hand like uh, flank so it's going to be uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how we get into the future of it we might need we might see a, a new type of pump and dump right yeah yeah and, and I, I think you know it doesn't even take football index to do this i think the, the the core data provider community of which i am one of i think we've all pushed each each other um, to really improve our products so i think everyone has been massively upping their game over the last year if you just roll back a year what was available then to what's available now and the sort of the breadth of the information that's available and the, the different pricing structures and everything you know th there's so much more there to go at now and we continue to all push each other along by some friendly competition i like to think um to, to constantly look at new ways to to add value and, and show people new players that haven't been considered or you know potential ways of looking at it to maximize your dividends yeah I, I think if you think about it 13 months ago 14 months ago even i hadn't started making any of this content there was no edge and there were no other data providers and now we've got to a stage where there are as you mentioned a breadth of people doing so many different things blogs etc uh data pro providing uh creating communities like the, the slack chat uh by the guys at index gain so it's um we've come a long way and it's hopefully uh, onwards and upwards right yeah definitely and I, I just really recommend people to you know use these things that are out there you know some of them are free some of them are paid for but there's loads of great information out there just try and find some time over your weekend or on your commute to start drilling into all these different sources because I promise you, it'll really be worth your while. Yeah, or the or if you're not on your commute, uh, shout out to the uh, non-commute crew. Uh, next question uh, from Vinay Kumar: uh, Which is the one, if there is one, attribute of a player that you would check for selecting players for performance buzz for each position? So let's just go defenders, mids, and, and strikers. What's the one stat that you predominantly look at? Uh, to be honest, it's the same for all three. Um, it's what I call PB greater than X, but I, what I think Edge and others call, um, what was it, peak scores, essentially. So yeah. so, yeah, yeah. so this is essentially, you know, you could put it whatever threshold. I think generally 180 is a good threshold to have it at. So the number of times that a player has scored more than 180 points um, 
in the season is generally an amazing predictor at how likely they are to pick up PB dividends. I have played around with countless different convoluted calculations, looking at PB average, max, base, you know, passes, possession, all sorts of things. And, you know, none of them compare to just using PB greater than X at the moment. You know, there's, they get close or they might get one percentage point better. Um, but really, at the end of the day, for simplicity's sake, PB greater than X is just so easy to use and such a good indicator. That That's the one I'd recommend. And then just off checking it against, you know, are they starting and are they getting a, you know, a good number of minutes? Are they in the sort of 88 plus minute category? Um, just because then you know that for defenders, they're picking up those clean sheets, for example. Yeah, 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 certainly, certainly important. And I think also if you're looking at historical data, like like you are looking at yourself, you have to be careful in selecting players to invest in that has an environment or variables as identical to that previous season's worth of stats or whatever time range you're using, so that you know the future stats are as likely or better to come up as they were previous if that makes sense so if, you, if you're you choosing a player um, like Yaya Torre who was in maybe the, the final season of his career at Man City or the final season he was starting he was probably going to be putting up really good scores if we had PB back then or if we had even football index back then uh, the following season um, he didn't start as much massive variable so if you were expecting him to pre- uh, return a lot then you know stuff like that changes managers i've always talked about these with with great interest and uh heeding warning to people even stadium changes like we've seen with spurs in the, the past when we had that wembley hoodoo that i often talk about um you do need to consider these uh, these intangibles uh, to some extent uh, and these other variables that that can change that can completely change how a player scores so i like it when people use those historical scores but i also think it's really essential to make sure that you look at those variables so i'm not going to pick one attribute but i'm going to agree that with, with you actually Stu, that that st- standard deviation um and that potential to hit those peak scores is, is very important um but, but but i think a lot of people do think that base scores or averages are very important i think we had the guys on from football index edge actually disagree with each other um about which one was more important uh i i i tend to think that a player that has a relatively high average with a you know high standard deviation i think the perfect example of that at the moment is the top three guys on the index those are the people that you want to be looking at so for me not one attribute but kind of just a bit of friendly advice on, on picking performance above players. Yeah, I mean, just v- very quickly on that. I mean, the way I did this to sort of assess how good these various metrics were was I simply ranked um, top down the most um, PB wins at the top and the least at the bottom, and then mm-hmm. tried ranking it v- based on loads of different metrics or combination of metrics to see when you took the top 50 players which came closest to the maximum number of PB wins compared to just if you just had the top 50 PB wins. And PBX was by far the closest to that um, of all the metrics I tested or combinations of metrics. Interesting, interesting. Um, Yeah, interesting question by Vinay Kumar, but I've just realised I missed one. Uh, Footy Index Rookie, uh, do you think there's a better way of releasing IPOs and is the price rise of which they are coming on at these days to make the rest of the market look more valuable? A while back they were coming on cheap, now they are all at £1 plus in most cases. I think the answer to that is that the average price of every player is 
just greater so they were obviously probably going to rise to to not detract from so it, it would mean that play people or traders don't instant sell current players in the market for these ipos i think it's what Fiblindex are trying to do i don't know if you agree yeah, I mean, I remember back to the sort of Friday cycle of 25p lunchtime madness where everyone would just try and pump it up to the sky. Um, it's got a bit more balance now. And I think also by putting them in a higher price, Football Index are trying to encourage a more balanced approach. So you have less of these sort of, you know, bot accusations of, you know, it's flown up 400% and, and more of a, a normal, you know, 10, 20% rise because people genuinely want that player rather than people buying it because they know that they're going to rise 400 plus percent because they're massively undervalued compared to the baseline of the index, essentially. Yeah, it is so true, isn't it? And uh, as we talked about kind of like a maturing market, um, perhaps why it was a surprise to me that only strikers and midfielders got a bump with that goal and assist bonus is because of this kind of thing where IPOs are being released at a higher price. They know people will buy but they know people might also be less inclined to sell their existing holds and disrupt the market for these IPOs just for a quick flip and then to get back into those existing holds or potentially new ones that they fancy. And that kind of disruption is not good for people when you're trying to onboard them, if that makes sense. So if you have a bit more stability, a bit more maturity, which comes with uh, less volatility, that's what happens when markets mature, then uh, it it kind of bodes well. But do I think there's a better way of releasing IPOs? Of course I do, but I don't know the answer. That's a problem. I mean, I've talked about uh, blind bidding. Um, I think uh, ASP talks about literally just having a massive database of players. So you could even uh, buy players in under 18s, under 17s and whatnot. Um, And a lot of other people have talked about um, maybe randomization of uh, entrance. So you could just dump all 10 at a random time and whoever sees them first can uh, can take advantage of it at whatever time of night it may be or whatever type of morning or whatever. You could just you know create a system where they just automatically ipo like a computer does it and you just have batches of five whatever at random times so i don't know there's many options and i don't know how hard they are to implement and i don't know what would be most successful uh, i'd be happy to hear your thoughts though steve yeah i mean the only other way i could think of that you could add into it is that you sort of put in a pre-request of i want 100 yeah. shares of x for 80p or less and then that gets put into like a random lottery machine and it draws it out until all of those criteria are met or there's no, you know, the price has risen above all the requests. Um, so that it's drawn out at random, but the, the, the mechanics behind that are probably an absolute nightmare to install um, and how much benefit it would really bring. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think they've probably got things higher up on their priority That's list, right? right? Yeah, de- definitely. I mean, I think, you know, growing the platform and continuing to think of new innovative ways to grow the platform is definitely more of priority than than sorting this out because you know while it is incredibly frustrating for people i think as we're seeing the price rise on ipos it's becoming less and less of a problem uh, and, and you see people shouting about it a lot less now than they used to certainly yeah i think the the whole bots thing was a problem but it was just probably because some people knew a good way how to do it um some people had good wi-fi which was often the excuse and and that was it really and and now some people just get really lucky and those people that do they're always gonna look like 
inhumanely fast, but I don't think there are bots. No, I, I, I mean the other, the only other thing to say on that is I we we constantly talk about the hundred share per penny thing. Now, I've asked the IT guy at a trade of me, and he said that that is an absolute fallacy. It's generally a good ballpark figure, but it is not a hard and fast rule. And it really wouldn't surprise me if, say, the first ten shares of a player when he IPOs increases the price by a penny. Then the first 20 go by a penny until we get to that close to 100 share mark. And that's why it's spiraling rapidly is because actually the first 100 bought increase it by 3p, not by 1p. So I think that's part of what might be going on there is actually there's a far faster increase rate on those very early trades. And and that's why people think that people are getting more shares at a better price potentially. Hmm, interesting interesting uh next question fpl addict uh a couple questions from fpl accounts which is which is interesting uh what's your view on players that are not even playing regularly who shoot up to three or four pounds no mb no pb but impressive growth do you think the drivers in the market are different or have you seen this all before uh, i mean of course we've seen speculative rises but uh won't you go into this one Stu? we've kind of talked a bit about it with young players but go on. yeah i mean for me again I, i'll say it again and I don't think there's any right or wrong way to make money on the platform. I make my money purely out of dividends. All of my portfolio is set around dividends because I, I've got a little template in my data product where people can categorize their player types and put their transaction history in. And that lets you see kind of your profit and loss by different categories, however you want to categorize it. And I, I had some key categories around dividend generators, essentially, PBMB players, and then things like where I was getting tips or youngsters or transfer rumors. And then I just had a quick look at the, the way that those players are moving and worked out that I was just crap at those kind of strategies. So just backed away entirely and stuck with what I was good at. But, you know, other people will use that tool or, or other tools out there and realize, actually, do you know what? I'm really good at identifying that transfer rumor. Um, in, in January, you'll suddenly see why that player's worth four pounds because he's going to suddenly move to buy Munich or whatever from arbitrary Dutch league. Um, and therefore you'll all suddenly see why he's worth four pounds because overnight he'll be worth five pounds or, you know, um, that youngster is going to break through into, you know, X, Y, Z team or get a great loan deal off to somewhere where he's going to start banging in the goals. You know, Adamo Lookman last season had a great loan, came back to Everton, hasn't played, you know, so these sort of things happen where maybe some people are really good at spotting those trends. And we question, why is that player at three pound? Because he's not winning dividends, but that's because I look at dividends and that's what I care about. But there might be other factors at play that I just don't have the time to look at, or or I'm not, not as good at that might be why that player's in that territory. And some of those will come off and they will get that transfer or, you know, that sudden break, but others won't. But if, you, if you're speculating on that in a number of ways and you, you're better at it than you are worse, then you're going to make yeah, some Yeah, I mean, I think I've had my say on young players earlier talking about market cap and, and uh, talking about players that could potentially... Um, that could potentially just fail. I mean, I mean, you mentioned Anamola Lukman there. Uh, if he just doesn't play for the rest of the season, then obviously you're going to see a correlation in his price. Uh, last question. We've been <laughs> a bit of a marathon, isn't it? Uh, index eight eight. Uh, saw you taken money out of property and into the index. Brackets think it was you. I mean, this is going to be really awkward if it isn't you. Uh, what sort of annual returns do you realistically expect, and what's the breakdown of dividends versus selling at a higher price you aim for? 
I don't really understand that second question properly, but maybe you do, and I'm hoping you do. Yeah, so um, I, yeah, I, I have rental property in North Wales. Ah, okay. um, so I did sell one of my properties recently, and when I got the cash out of that, I did put it straight into the index because for, for me, uh, the property market is is stagnating a bit. It's um, it's not generating the, the returns it used to. Um, and, and generally, when you're talking about property, you were looking at sort of a somewhere between five to ten percent is generally what most people would talk about as a reasonable rate of return, depending on whether you're in sort of young professional market or students or, or various other things. So I, I came to the index initially with the view of I wanted to generate 12 percent a year. And that was basically one percent a month in dividends was my my initial thoughts of what I wanted to have as a baseline. And. I, I continue to have that as my core baseline because if I'm generating 12% a year, that for me is better than any investment that I am any talents at. So I'm not good but, at stocks and shares. Just to, sorry, just to ask a quick question. It isn't, but 12% compared to p- perhaps the risk, do you mean that you, like, it, because you are still technically investing in a startup, is the risk worth having that extra four or five percent than having that property income yeah because the property say if i don't rent um say if i don't get tenants for next year i've got to continue to pay a mortgage on that so that's actually a massive millstone around my neck which is you know continues to be a threat to my livelihood whereas if (laughs) if if i've just got 10 grand which would be a deposit on a house that's sitting in the index instead then the worst case risk i've got is i lose that 10 grand um i i can't i'm not liable to pay 200 pound a month to the index for all eternity um you know <laughs> so especially if i can't then you make me what you make me want to never buy a house, buy a house. <laughs> no i mean like it, it, it is a great thing and if you've got the right market and you know the way things move but the government's tried to tax it differently and all kinds of other convoluted factors but at the end of the day property is just as big a liability as the index it's just your your, your risks are slightly different because you've got this asset and you're you're on the hook for a mortgage if you've got a mortgage Whereas the index, you've got that big lump sum that's at risk, but I'd argue even a catastrophic event to the index, you're not going to lose 100% of that, you know. And the way I looked at it was, you know, using the deposit bonuses and other things gave me like a 10% cushion, which I was comfortable that I would be able to react if the market started to crash within that 10% cushion to get my money back. Uh, and, and now I'm over like 100% profit. It, it, there's enough of a cushion there for me to be a bit more bolder with my investment in the index because my actual baseline finances aren't as a risk because I've got a bigger cushion. Um, and so it is, you know, yes, I'm targeting 12% would be, I'm perfectly content with that, but I've outperformed that massively every month for, you know, the last 12 months. It's just, that was my original expectation and to keep myself with my feet on the ground because it's so easy to get overhyped with the index, 12% will continue to be my dividend and sort of mental goal and as long as I'm achieving that, I'll continue to be happy at the index. If we start to drift away from that, that'll be when I'd start to question whether it was the investment for me. Interesting, interesting. And apart from housing and the index, was is there anything else that you're invested in, if you don't mind disclosing? No, I mean, I looked at stocks and shares. I don't understand it. I was in the very early days of Bitcoin, and I'm talking when it was £20 a Bitcoin. Um, wow. But got out when it hit £200 a Bitcoin because, and I only had like, five of them because i was like well i've quadrupled my money or 10 times my money um I, i'm going to take that profit because you know for me bitcoin at the time was a bit like a ponzi scheme it, it had no underwritten value 
mm-hmm. uh, and con- continues to, except for the black market. Whereas um, football index dividends for me is what gives it legitimacy. It gives it intrinsic value in market cap. And that's what makes it not a Ponzi scheme or a pyramid scheme or, you know, a scam is that there is a clear value to all the players on the index based on that dividend structure. And that's why I think it's so important. Uh, as a wise man once said, without dividends, uh, you might as well be playing uh, <laughs> FIFA Ultimate Team without actually playing FIFA matches, uh, which which made me laugh. But um, yeah, it's an interesting one, housing market versus uh, football index. Never really compared and contrasted them. I think there's a kind of a fixation with owning a home in the UK, whereas a lot of other European countries, it's more of a renting culture. If you look at Germany, Spain, um, they, they kind of rent. They don't have this kind of owning a house fetish if i if i can call it that um which you know and a lot, a lot of people speculate that you know we've been running up in terms of the housing market for so long it's only a matter of time before we see a correction but who the hell knows i'm no expert in that um here to talk about football index aren't we yeah and i and you, you do see the odd person and you know talk about football index as a means to get into enough money to have yeah. a, a rental yeah. property empire um you know so there are people moving both ways in the index. I mean, certainly I know a number of traders that have either property portfolios or stock market portfolios um, as well, you know, because they're the people that tend to have a, a wedge of capital to sort of really hit into this product. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Stu, it's getting late. Uh, is there anything else you want to discuss before I let you off the hook? No, just a very quick uh, plug. My data product is available. Check me out on Twitter. Check me out on YouTube, um, £1 basic, £2 a month premium. Uh, any questions, hit me up. Thanks very much. <laughs> Easy as you like. Uh, and for me, you can obviously find me at uh, underscore FI guide. I've been thinking like, how much do you guys think um, it would cost for me to take my my true form as just at FI guide? Uh, because obviously at Football Index Guide is too long. But the guy that owns it, I've been having a search at him doesn't tweet i reckon i might go for it and be like look how much do you want if it's too much i'll I'll do some sort of GoFundMe. obviously make no money from it but um uh and and obviously no one will contribute to to me taking my final form on twitter but uh it'd be great uh if we could all maybe like harass the guy or something like that Maybe that's better than a GoFundMe page, right? Um, <laughs> but you you can obviously find my YouTube channel. Um, yeah, lots of subscribers these days, which is great. I'm, I'm like Norex, going to probably put out a video explaining all this uh, uh, all, all this confusion. Um, and then I was also going to do one about the share split and so on and so forth. And uh, Bank Builder will continue to go on once I actually make some more money on it. Uh, I keep forgetting to look at that. Um, but I think once we get to a thousand pounds, I'm going to do something quite fun that will be a lot more interactive uh, with the community, which I'm. I think you guys will uh, will enjoy. But yeah, just if you search up Football Index on YouTube, or if you go to the podcast description that you're listening to right now, you can find the YouTube channel. If you want to read some written content, I'm not the greatest writer, but do you know who is Footy Index LDN and Liam Footy Index LM? They are both very good at the the old writing, uh, and we do a newsletter every two weeks, the Football Index newsletter. So do hit me up if you want to subscribe to that and if you want to hear me talk about just football not football index and embarrass myself me and matt santangelo host a podcast called the state of play where we divulge all the ongoings 
uh, on the top five European leagues, as well as the MLS, the uh, bridge between soccer and football. And if you want to collaborate or sponsor the podcast, hit me up at football.index.guide at gmail.com. Getting a lot more emails these days. And I think if you want like 30 seconds, a minute of some audio to go in, maybe your thoughts on on the index that week, just send it to me and I'll try and stick it into the podcast unless, uh, unless you're like an absolute idiot or very abusive then uh, I think I'll probably put it out Um, and yeah if you're commuting enjoy your commute and have a good day at work or whatever you do Uh, and also shout out to the non-commute crew but you've got mid podcast shout out this time which is very special so uh, thanks everyone for listening